By the time Bret Hart stepped center stage for his matchup with Shawn Michaels at Survivor Series, he had apparently already closed the door on his WWF career. I was um, given my 30-day notice with WWF, and right now I'm under contractual review with both the WCW and the WWF. I'm leaning strongly towards going one way. In the end, his actions spoke volumes. This is November 8th, uh, the night before Survivor Series 1997. <clears throat> They're in Cobo Hall in Detroit, Michigan. Ah! A little hometown pop here on the podcast. We like, we love to see it. Um, Vince and I were still stalemated. I was worn out with conflicting emotions, grief vying with the adrenaline rush of clarity. I was convinced it would ruin me just for the sick pleasure of it. I kept reminding myself that if I stayed in the WWF, Sean and Hunter would have done all they could to drive me out anyway. Jack Lanza pulled me aside to tell me that I was doing the right thing for the business. <laughs> I wouldn't drop that belt to that little motherfucker either. <laughs> <laughs> I never knew whether Jack meant what he said. He was just trying to provoke a reaction out of me that somehow played into his boss's hands. Now, this is uh, an important uh, piece of the puzzle here. Uh, Earl Hebner. Uh, I called Earl Hebner into a dingy dressing room bathroom <laughs> I looked him right in the eyes and said tomorrow Earl they're going to ask you to fuck me his mouth twisted and his eyes filled with tears as he promised I swear on my kids heads I won't do it I'll quit first if they ever ask me to do that I'll tell them to go fuck themselves Brett I swear oh yeah alright I calmed him down saying that all he had to do was tell me what it the plan was, and I'd take care of it. I told him that I was going to insist that he be the ref because I trust him to watch my back. The longer we Hilarious. talked, <laughs> this, is, this, yeah, this is really <laughs> funny in hindsight. Uh, the longer we talked, the stronger resolve became. I'll never forget the tears in his eyes as he shook my hand. Uh, word had leaked out that I was going to WCW, and all during the six-man tag that night, I was tormented by jeering mob chanting, "You sold out." It bothered me that I didn't know I was that they didn't know I was pushed out, but at the end of the match, when I took my walk around the ring, my fans hugged me, and many broke down crying. <clears throat> I kept feeling as though I was alive at my own funeral. My worries, about, my worries about what happened the next day in Montreal tormented me all night long. Vince and I were eyeball and eyeball, and nobody was blinking. I'll never understand why Sean couldn't simply put me over, with me immediately dropping the belt to him on Raw. Where a much bigger audience would see his win. I'd have my respect. Sean would have the belt. Uh, I went looking for Vince. Uh, and suggested, and Paul, Paul J, suggested that I keep my hidden mic on. Uh, Vince said hello to Julie and the kids, smiling and kidding with them briefly uh, before we headed into his dressing room for a talk. He spotted the bright red poppy pinned to my shirt. I explained that it was a Remembrance Day tradition. I brought up how this Canadian angle had really painted me into a corner. 
It would be hard for me to come up short as a hero today, I bluntly asked. So what is it we do? Vince was grim-faced. What do you want to do? Uh, because word have have me leaving it leaked out, I suggested some kind of run-in. I told him I'd win tonight and I'd forfeit the belt on Raw in Ottawa the next day. Uh, still in Canada, but okay. Uh, this was a suggestion, not a demand. We talked about it for how we both felt betrayed. I brought up that nobody was supposed to know I was leaving, but he was already smearing my reputation. Vince liking it to sticking me with a stick, which I took as his admission that he'd been poking at me intentionally to provoke me. Finally, Vince said that he was determined to see this come out the right way. I sighed with relief, believing now I had the dignified exit I sought. Vince's tone softened as he said, All we're talking about is Ted Turner. That's what's coming between you and me. That's all. I can't tell you how appreciative I always be for everything you've done for this company. I'll be damned, even if it's Ted Turner's money and all that shit. That's no reason for two people who spend as much time as we had together, work closely through the years. It's no reason there to be any problems. I couldn't agree more. I don't want to ever leave here. What matters to me is what happens to me right now. It might be all that I'm ever going to be remembered for. That's, uh... Uh, uh, that's kind of telling. Huh? That's kind of we think of Bret Hart. Think of this, right? Like I said, it, it's kind of uh, fun that you know Bret Hart told people he was going to get screwed, and that he was telling people this is all he'd be remembered for. And you know, Bret Hart, like I said, he's got to have a crystal ball. He's looking into the future. <laughs> yeah, this time. Uh, my history will always be here, which is why I've been so stubborn. After 14 years to end it here on such a bad note, wouldn't be right. I'm going to miss this place, so we'll leave it on that. Uh-huh, okay. So. Feels better. Yeah. He, he brags all about being a classic wrestler, right? With classic wrestler values. Yep. But he doesn't want to drop the title to the guy that the promoter wants him to drop the title to in his last match in the company. Isn't that like one of the more classic fucking things in professional wrestling is laying down on your way out? Yeah, that's literally the whole... Like, I get he doesn't like Shawn Michaels. I'm pretty sure Iron Sheik didn't like Hulk Hogan when he laid down. And, and Sheik still had to stay in the company. He didn't get to leave. He didn't get to go make more money. Like, did you see uh, Iron Sheik's tweet? I think I retweeted it on our account. Yes. <laughs> I'm just looking at that. <laughs> I just, just, everything Brett says contradicts himself. Literally every fucking thing he says. Oh man, I'm a classic wrestler. That's why I'm better than Shawn Michaels. Ooh, I don't want to lay down for Shawn. I don't like him. Ooh. He's got values, right? Yeah, all right. Values. Uh, so what is it you want to do today, then? Vince then described in detail how DX would interfere when I had Sean and the sharpshooter. Uh, the Hart Foundation would charge out to my rescue. It would end up in a big schmaz or brawl. Where he wanted... Schmaz. That's how he, that's how he says it. That's God damn. Uh, where he wanted me to deck Hunter and even China. The marks out there are going to think this is a shoot. 
Uh, I'm going to capitalize on that. I won't, I won't be out there commentating, and there'll be a slew of uniformed security at ringside. I'm open to anything. Who better to shoot than the hitman? <laughs> all right, I said, shook his hand. I'll go find Sean and go over all of this. Whatever you want. I, I put you with Pat. He's the master to work it through. Uh, a few minutes later, Carlo took me uh, around back at the Molson Center, where I told him Vince had decided to let me leave with my head up. Carlo broke down crying. In many ways, Carlo brought me to this moment. He helped me structure the contract that gave me way too much power for it ever to rest easy with Vince or to allow me to stand as a precedent. I trusted that the contract to protect me. I trusted that contract to protect me. If it wasn't for me, Carlo wouldn't be where he was, and neither would I. Uh, I've taken off my mic off and changing into my gear. I found Sean. One last time, I tried to be straight with him. He was visibly nervous and said he wanted no problems with me, that he had no problems doing anything. Uh, Sean already knew at this point, obviously. they've uh, The works were put in the night before, I think. Or, yeah. Just within the last 24 hours. Uh, so he knew. So Sean knew at this point. Um, and then this is a point of contention between Brett and Sean right here. Uh, Pat told me that he thought it would be a hell of a spot to let Sean put me in the sharpshooter and then reverse it on him. And it would be a great spot for that. It would set the stage for a fantastic second half. So Brett says that Pat came up with the spot. But I know Sean Michaels says that Brett was the one who came up with the spot. So, we don't... And it's, and it's interesting, too, because Brett had done this numerous times. Yeah. And he continued to do it. I mean, I'd have to believe Sean. But then again, I mean, maybe it's something that Brett did so much. Pat Patterson being a master at the craft was like, oh, you know, to get the fans going banana... Putting the sharpshooter on you and you reversing it. He's gonna put you in your own finishing hold. Yeah, and then the hold, the the everyone will rise up to the rafter and just cheer. I mean, I, yeah, I I don't think I don't know. I I think Brett had some involvement with it. Uh, but then again, Brett probably doesn't want to admit that he had a hand in his own screwing. Then that would be like Brett screwing Brett. Brett did screw Brett. It was his, his idea. Uh, who's the ref? I asked. Earl. I smiled to myself. Okay. I ran the whole scenario by Earl, Owen, Davey, and Rude while Hunter and China meekly nodded their heads in approval. Uh, Vader pulled me aside to warn me. Be careful out there, brother. Vince is known for fucking people in these kinds of situations. Uh, Fisher Vince only did that once. Yeah, but he's known for it, I guess. Yeah, well, Vader's kind of a moron, so. <sighs> I paced around backstage and waited. When I heard Sean's music drowned out by booze, I had no idea that he had pretended to wipe his ass with the Amer- the Canadian flag and then laid it out in the middle <laughs> of the ring pretending to fuck it hard. <laughs> <laughs> Back at home in Calgary, Stu was watching in disgust. 
He took very real offense to Sean's actions, as did everyone in the building and all across Canada. If I'd done that in the United States, I might have been lynched. Okay, yeah, well, leave that boy there acting like he's having sex with the good old Canadian fly. I mean, back in my day, this wouldn't have been allowed. Someone please get me my pills. I'm starting to not be able to feel my fingers again. (laughs) (laughs) I grabbed my own flag, handed it to Blade, and said, Let's go, boy. He marched Blade. Oh, his son. Blade, yeah. I forgot his son came out with them. Uh, He marched all the way to the curtain with me. Jim, Davey, and Owen, with Paul J's crew trailing right behind us. Hunter was not where he was supposed to be for the run-in. An annoyed Rick Rude was suspicious. He pursed his lips and told me, I'll watch your back in case they try to jump you or pull anything funny on you out there. <clears throat> Excitement and doubt pulsed through me as my music blared. blared. Uh, I disappeared through the curtain uh, to an explosion of noise. I entered the ring tense but unafraid and proud. If Sean so much has tried anything, I'd take him out hard and fast. Sean jumped me before the bell, and I battled right back, and we began working. We fought through the crowd with me decking agents and referees one after another. Somewhere in the middle of it all, I locked, I locked eyes with Vince and I shook my fist at him. Sean was flopping and flying for me every, everywhere. <clears throat> Before long, I had blue and white Quebec flag wrapped around Sean's neck. And the Molson Center was coming apart at the seams. Only when I finally got into the ring did the bell signal to start the match. Halfway through, was what well, was to be a 30-man match. I made my way to the top corner. When I leaped off, Sean pearled Earl in front of me, and then the collision left both me and Earl sprawled out on the mat. Sean then stepped over to me, put on the sharpshooter, sharp shooter, and crossed my legs wrong. So I called up to him the other way, <laughs> and he switched them. <laughs> As Sean turned me onto my stomach, I saw Earl for a split spec, split second, motioning with his fingers. And Vince strangely standing at the ring apron wearing an angry scowl. Then he screamed at the bell ringer, Mark Eaton, ring the bell, ring the fucking bell. Eaton, in stunned disbelief, couldn't bring himself to do it. I finally tried to reverse the sharpshooter on Sean as Vince snapped hard at Eaton and the bell clanged over and over. I couldn't believe Earl fucked me. I felt like all the blood in my veins had just evaporated. Earl jumped out of the ring and ran away as fast as he could toward Jack Lanza and Dave Hebner, who were waiting at the top of the ramp with a car running. My first thought was how I somehow let the whole country down. That was his first thought. Oh, Uh, yeah, you made the whole country sad because you lost a fake pro wrestling match. Sean put on a show, cussing and carrying on as if he wasn't in on the whole thing. I saw Vince on the floor. The thought crossed my mind to jump out and go crazy on him. I looked over at Marky and his mouth wide open, tears in his eyes. A lot of people fucking cry in this. Oh my god. Uh, I leaned over the top rope, carefully aimed, and spit at Vince, hitting him right between the eyes. I saw Sean, hoist, saw Sean hoisting the belt up in the air in victory and being hustled away down the aisle by Hunter and Jerry Briscoe. Vince kept trying to wipe my spit from his eyes. The crowd totally got. Uh, what just happened? I'm getting angry and chanting, bullshit, bullshit. The Montreal fans were outraged. A spark was all it would take for have a full-scale riot. And that was a bad idea. I had to calm myself and think smart. What would my dad do? 
Looking out to the stunned crowd, I fought the tears that were swimming in my eyes and thought, don't you dare give these backstabers the satisfaction of seeing you cry over any of this. Don't you dare cry. I worked so hard for him. 14 years. All I wanted was my dignity. They cut the ring mic, but the cameras were still rolling, so I painted WCW and giant letters in the air for all to see. Owen, Davey, and Jim soon surrounded me. Owen said, You don't look bad for this. They do. You are all class. When I met their eyes, I could feel myself dying inside. My lower lips started to quiver, so I bit it. Uh, Owen stood beside me, and his strength helped me keep it together. He told me that he and Rick had been duped into looking everywhere for Hunter, and when Hunter, when Hunter was at ringside all along... For what seemed like an eternity, I looked at out of the sea of people, sea of sad people who felt as betrayed as I did, knowing what disrespect had been paid to me, my family, and millions of fans all around the world. I told myself to never forget this feeling ever. I jumped down the ring and commenced smashing Vince's expensive TV monitors to the floor, tossing his headsets out into the crowd. Surrounded by security guards who couldn't quite figure out whether this was part of our storyline. On my way backstage, I passed by Blade, who looked equally sad and puzzled. Then by Julie and the rest of the kids. All of them looked shocked to silence. <clears throat> Someone surrounded by Paul's crew headed straight for Vince's office. Tried to break the steel door down. I gave up and walked back towards the dressing room. Hounded by Japanese reporters who thought I'd explain everything that had happened for them right then and there... I felt like the Terminator. <laughs> I wasn't the only <laughs> one. I saw the Harris twins kicking over barrels of garbage and punching the walls. The wrestlers were ready to riot too. Nothing to do but to go home now. Blade trailed me as I headed to the dressing room. When I got there, I found my bag sitting out in the hallway. I picked it up and walked inside. I only see Sean sitting in the corner. Sean, were you in on that? I swear to fucking God I had nothing to do with it. You weren't on it, so help me God, I don't know anything about it. He threw the belt on the floor and said he refused to wear it. Paul J's camera crews were right behind me filming everything they could. I wanted to rip Sean the shreds. Deep down, I knew he was in on it all the way, but I didn't want to lose my cool in front of Blade. Sean said, I'll judge you by what you do tomorrow on TV. Sean, I said, I'll, look, I'll judge you by what you do tomorrow on TV. I looked around at a room full of stricken wrestlers and calmly said, if they can do this to me, they can do this to anyone. Remember that. Taker blew a stack and shouted, fuck. I'm going to bring his ass down here. I want Vince to explain himself to me, to you, and everyone else. He, he kicked the dressing room door open and he stomped off down the hall. I could hear angry wrestlers calling out to Taker where he could find Vince. Paul's crew left so I could undress. Somehow I found some humor in the fact that after this match, Davy had borrowed my towel, as he often did, uh, leaving me without one as I headed to the showers. That's a weird detail to include. Naked. Uh, my head was spinning and my heart had a giant hole in it. As the water poured over me, Rick Rude and Davy appeared just out of range of the showers to tell me, true to his word, Taker had made Vince open his door. Vince had rounded up a makeshift crew of bodyguards consisting of Slaughter, Briscoe, his son Shane. I had my friends, Taker, Shamrock, Foley, Vader, Rude, Crush, Savio, and especially Owen, Davey, and Jim. This whole damn thing could turn into a damn mutiny, or worse. <clears throat> he, wants, he says he wants to talk to you. Tell Vince to get the hell out of here before he gets hurt. 
He says he's staying. If he stays, he's oh. going to get knocked out. I came out of the shower soaping wet with no towel. I calmly walked past Vince. And I was actually thinking about it there. If I ever did a movie about this, it wouldn't look very good if I beat up Vince naked. <laughs> I picked up a damp towel from the floor. Vince dryly offered. This is the first time I ever had to lie to my one of my own talent. <laughs> Who are you kidding, you lying piece of shit? Sean now sat crying in the corner. <laughs> he did? Yeah, why is everybody fucking crying in this? <clears throat> Briscoe and Slider tried to clear everyone out the room, the dressing room. Owen said, Owen was about to leave when Davey grabbed him by the arm. Don't leave, he said. Remember what happened to Bruiser Brody? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. None of my boys left. Uh, with Davy, Rick, Owen, and Jim on my left, I sat down and glared at Vince, surrounded by his henchmen, who all stood there with their arms behind their backs. Taker was also there, offering me full support. Sean was still blubbering like a baby, his head in his hands. <coughs> you told me I could leave any way I wanted, that I was Cal Ripken, that I was doing you a favor, that you appreciate everything I ever did, that for everything I've done... There was no reason for any problems. You've told me nothing but lies all week, all fucking year. I said in a surprisingly calm voice, and I added, If you're still here when I'm finished getting dressed, I have no choice but to punch you out. Vince seemed unfazed, even, even tried to take credit for my deal with Turner, but I cut him off and reminded him that I had taken the lesser deal from Vince because I wanted to stay loyal to him. After 14 years, you couldn't just let me leave with my head up. When I tied the laces of my high tops, I said, I just stood up and said, okay. I picked up my knee brace, thinking to smash Vince over the head with it. But I sat down declaring, I won't need this, and went straight for him. Cockily, Vince came back at me, and we actually tied up. 14 fucking years. I launched a rocket launcher uppercut that connected with Vince's jaw. My right first actually popped him like a cork off the ground, and he collapsed unconscious to the carpet. As Kyle really jumped in, but they were too late. I found myself jostling with Jerry Briscoe, who I wouldn't find out later was one of the was the one who had designed the whole screw job for Vince. <clears throat> I told him that if he as so much as touched me again, I give him exactly the same as I'd given Vince. And the lying little coward backed away with his hands up. <laughs> for the next forty five. No, no, Mr. Brett. Don't hit me, Mr. Brett. No, no, no. He is you should have got one, too. For the next 40 seconds, we all stared at Vince unconscious, splayed like an X on the floor. I calmly took my seat again and noticed that my hand was throbbing. I thought I might be broken. Shane pulled Vince into a sitting position and pleaded with me to let his father, to let his father get his bearings. Uh, let's see. I think... I think that might be it for uh, what we need to discuss of Brett's point of view of the Montreal screw job. Uh, he goes back to his hotel, uh, not really knowing what the future will hold uh, for his days in WCW. Um, crazy story. Um, just quickly before we move on, uh, we do have Eric Bischoff's point of view of this whole thing. If I can get my mouse oh. over there. Um, controversy creates cash. 
Uh, it's not it's not as long as bread. It's only about a a paragraph or two. <laughs> this is a really weirdly laid out book. Um, there's chapters in it, but they're not, but they're broken down into like smaller sections, uh, like throughout the period. So he has a Montreal Screwjob section, which is about like a page length, and then mm-hmm. a page about Brett and WCW. Uh, so controversy Chris Cash, Eric Bischoff. Uh, there was no secret that Brett was coming over to WCW. The fact that Brett was WWF champion posed real problems for Vince. He wanted Brett to lose the title before coming over to us. Brett didn't want to lose the title in Montreal. I wasn't there, so I didn't know. But according to what has been published, Brett and Vince worked out an agreement that would have let Brett hold on to the title during a match in Montreal. He would hand the title to Vince on a live Raw show the following day. But if that was the agreement, Vince changed his mind. At the Montreal show, he had the referee quick count Brett out. That's not what happened. Awarding uh, the yeah. title to Sean. Uh, the episode was filmed and aired on documentary Wrestling with Shadows. The episode, the pay-per-view, was filmed and aired. The documentary <laughs> Wrestling with Shadows, which became known to most fans as the Montreal Screwjob. It's possible that Vince thought he couldn't trust Brett, or more accurately, couldn't trust me. I had, given every, I had given Vince every reason in the world to believe that I would exploit the situation to my maximum ability, and uh, I didn't even, I didn't even know how to pronounce this word. Uh, I'm sure you thought I would have Brett trash the title in much the way I had Medusa trash the women's championship on national television, but that wasn't the case. Had Vince had known what Brett and I really discussed, and more importantly, what the legal division at Turner Broadcasting told me I could and couldn't do, Montreal never would have happened. At the time, we were involved in the copyright and trademark litigation with WWE, and the legal department of Turner Broadcasting did not want to add fuel to the fire. They made it clear that I had to work with certain, work within certain parameters, and those parameters did not include anything close to trashing WWE titles. I was cool with that, because at that point, it didn't really matter. We had clearly positioned ourselves as number one. I didn't need to pull that kind of stuff back when I had Medusa come over. Uh, but Vince didn't know that, and I don't think anyone could have convinced them. In fact, while we're settling our contract terms, Brett came to me and said, what's going to happen if Vince wants me to lose the match in Montreal? I told him it didn't matter. The aunt is so f- sophisticated enough to understand what's going on. Your win-loss record is really not that important. How you end your relationship with WWE is not important. Do what you ever feel you need to do. If you need to lose in order to shake hands and part company as friends, go ahead and do that. Vince McMahon had nothing to fear, and ultimately, the Montreal incident was unnecessary and unfortunate. Or maybe not. Maybe it ultimately played itself out, and everyone made money off it. But I know firsthand it had a pretty big impact on Brett. Uh, When Brett got to WCW, he was not the Bret Hart that we had watched in WWE. I think the incident with Brett... I think the incident with Vince McMahon took a tremendous toll on him. Or perhaps Brett never really felt at home in WCW. Either way, he never quite regained his passion for the business. As much as I like Brett and respect him, there was a real lack of passion and commitment from what I understood it. Though it was hard for me to relate the sense of betrayal for me. It was about the outcome of a wrestling match. As underhanded as it may have been, italicized may, because it's... I'm still not sure uh, it was all that it was supposed to be. At the end of the day, 
It was just a wrestling match. None of it is real anyway. I had a hard time understanding why a wrestler takes something that is fiction to heart, though many do. I was hoping that Brett would get up, we get used, get used to being in WCW, and would kick it back into gear, but it didn't happen. <clears throat> so uh, Eric Bischoff touches on it briefly. Bret Hart is, even to this day, I still think, even though he says he's over it, and they, uh, him and Sean became friends again at Raw. Uh, I don't think he. Uh, I don't think he really ever really got over it, and it kind of affected uh, his mental state for the years to come. Yeah, I mean, Brett continuously brings it up. I don't know. Like I said, it seems like there's year-long gaps where he doesn't bring it up. I don't know if he needs money or if he knows that's what keeps him in like the public eye. But seems like he'll go a while, and then all of a sudden, randomly, it's like, oh yeah, the screw job. Uh, the Montreal screw job has come and gone. Brett has left for WCW. Uh, before we dive deeper into uh, Brett's time in WCW. Uh, I think there's one more perspective uh, we'd like to get uh, from somebody who wasn't even there. Okay. And uh, wrote a book uh, that got pulled from shelves for being so inaccurate. Sure. But uh, I think it's I think it's worth the the read. It's like, it's it's funny. Uh, so this is Under the Mat, Inside Wrestling's Greatest Family. By Diana Hart Smith. <clears throat> okay. Uh, Davy's wife. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. There's too many of them. Too many wrestlers, too many wives in this family. <clears throat> in 1996, Davy signed a five-year contract with the WWF that guaranteed him $300,000 a year. Vince said he would also create a belt specifically for him called the European Championship and that Davey was wily enough to insist to be written into his contract. Brett came huh. back less than three months later and signed for 17 years. Not accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Had around $1 million a year. Uh, the idea was that when he quit wrestling, he'd become part of Vince's office. Another stipulation in Brett's deal was that he was to have main event billing. So he was fierce when Davey and Sean were in the main event of a pay-per-view called One Night Only in Birmingham, England. Was Sean even there at the time? At the One Night Only pay-per-view? Yeah, he did. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there, Davey was supposed to drop his European Championship belt to Sean. Brett wrestled, Birmingham, wrestled in the Birmingham show, but he was beside himself because he wasn't the headliner. Brett grumbled uh, the whole night. Of course he was. Brett grumbled the whole night, and I finally said, "Brett, you're not the hero here. Davy is." <laughs> Vince pulled Davy aside just before the show and said, "Davy, Sean is going to beat you tonight. We're going to have him re- have the return match in Manchester, Manchester in spring at the G Max, and you will win your belt back." Davey was a little disappointed about having to lose in his home country, but he agreed. Fine, whatever you want, Vince, no complaints. Brett grabbed me for a quick conference. You know Davis putting Sean over tonight. He's jobbing for him. 
So when you're in the ring with Davey after the finish, Owen and I are supposed to do a run-in and save you and Davey against Rick Rude, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Sean, and China. I have a feeling that China will go after me, and I can't hit a girl, so you go after her. <laughs> I was so skeptical. She's not going to go near you, Brett. Brett was impatient with me. Of course she will. She'll do anything to make me look bad. <laughs> I was astounded. Just because he was not headlining this once, he had decided that the WWF was out to ruin him. In my opinion, he was so successful, perhaps the biggest wrestler in the world at the time, that he became paranoid and terrified that he would lose his status. China didn't go near Brett, but she ran straight for me. She bear-hugged me and took me right off my feet. I couldn't believe how strong she was. Jeez, I thought. <laughs> if she does turn from me and go after Brett, I'm not sure what he expects me to do. <laughs> <laughs> In the dressing room, Brett, Brett confron confronted Vince. Undertaker and I should have been the main event tonight. Vince replied, no, this was an exception, Brett. Dave is a huge star in England, and we wanted to capitalize on that. So Brett said, Really? Would you have him lose then? Vince said. We wanted the crowd to sympathize with them. Everyone expected him to win. We had him beat by four guys. Uh, the match coincided with the recent deaths of Princess Diana. So when Davey walked down into the arena with his sister Tracy, who was recovering from a terrible bout with cancer, it had a huge emotional impact. Just oh, as Vince knew it would. What is that? What is <laughs> Like, that's such like a weird, like, thing just to put in there. Well, you know, Princess Diana died, and uh, my sister-in-law, Tracy, was having cancer, so it was just a real emotional. The fans all knew this and put it together. Nice. <laughs> Brett threatened to quit over the snub. By the end of that month, Brett, Brett and Vince were constantly arguing. Arguing, Brett swore he wanted, uh, he wanted out of his contract, and Vince said he was welcome to leave. They would work it out where Brett negotiated a deal with WCW, where he got $3 million each year for three years, plus a percentage of the merchandising. He was going to finish up November 9th at Survivor Series. Uh, Vince needed Brett to drop the world's belt. Drop the world's belt. And he wanted it to be to Sean. Uh, first off, he was not finishing up in November 9th. His contract was, was up in December. Um... And uh, he calls it the world's belt. That's something, all right. Uh, Brett was in the midst of making a big documentary called Wrestling with Shadows, the Bret Hart story. Brett didn't like Sean, so in his documentary, he edited a match in which Sean was the guest referee in a bout between Brett and The Undertaker. Seemingly unprovoked, Sean took a chair and tried to hit Brett over the head with it. Brett ducked in the chair and clocked Undertaker. But what Brett didn't show is that segment was that he had spit right in Sean's face. And Sean was retaliating with the chair. Vince's big worry was that Brett was going to quit in the belt and go to WCW. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Lundra Blaze. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, There's no way he wanted Brett to leave with it. Uh, the cities where the pay-per-view are held are booked well in advance. The Survivor Series 97 happened to be in Montreal. So Brett said, no, I can't lose in my home country, even though Davey just lost to Sean in England. <laughs> Vince said, well, Brett, let's think of some ideas on how we're going to do this. So a group of wrestlers, Jim Neidhart, Davey Owen, and Sean, came up with various, various ideas. Everyone was trying to figure out a way, and Brett could lose his belt to Sean, leaving Brett happy and Vince with his belt. 
One of Brett's solutions was to not have Sean beat him at Survivor Series, but bring Sean on T, but to bring Sean on TV's Monday Night Raw, and Brett would just hand the belt over to him. Oh yeah, that'll work. Uh, Vince said, "Well, I don't really see how that helps me out. Where do I go from there? <laughs> you give the belt to Sean, like he couldn't beat you. So my champion is the WCW's newest import." <laughs> they worked on different scenarios all month that was going nowhere unbeknownst to Vince Brett was attending all these meetings wearing a wiretap hoping to record his discussion with Vince for using his forthcoming documentary uh, <laughs> wrong again uh, <laughs> he only wiretapped one meeting <laughs> not everyone uh, it was ironic that Brett would Later make such a fuss about how Vince had been dishonest with him. And here Brett was sneaking tape recordings out of private meetings for his own documentary project. <clears throat> On Saturday night before Survivor Series, Brett came to Vince. Vince finally said, okay, Brett, I agree to that. Uh, he was pacifying Brett, but Brett and Vince... But Brett had Vince on tape given his word that he would go along with Brett's idea involving Davey and Owen. Uh, oh, his word, huh? Yeah, his word. Meanwhile, right after he made that deal with Brett, Vince had a clandestine meeting with Triple H, two of Vince's agents, Pat Patterson and Jerry Briscoe, and referee Earl Hebner. They all agreed to double-cross Brett. Now, that also doesn't make sense. Uh, Pat Patterson didn't know about it. And, uh, nope. There is some conflicting reports on when Earl knew about it. He claims he knew 15 minutes before he went out. Um, who knows when he knew, but I don't think he was part of the actual conversation of double-crossing Brett. Uh, Vince also commentated wearing a tuxedo, but the day of the Survivor Series, he wore casual clothes. Davey thought that was kind of strange. Oh. As the... What was that? Uh, Vince always... Uh, as the match near the end, Davey and Owen were in the gorilla position, named for the late Gorilla Monsoon. Thanks for that, Diana. Yeah, thank you. A former Hungarian wrestler, one of Vince's closest friends. Gorilla used to... Okay, why are we talking about this? In uh, another few minutes, Davey and Owen would run down to, into the ring and to create confusion. Vince was ringside. Sean put Brett in Brett's own finishing move, the sharpshooter. Brett was getting in position to kick him off and grab the ropes so the referee would have to break the hold when suddenly Earl yelled, Earl yelled to Vince and the timekeeper, ring the bell, ring the bell. He then waved his arms and the match was over. Vince snatched up the belt and handed it to Earl. Earl presented it to a confused-looking Sean. That didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> she did not watch the pay-per-view. Nope. Uh... Davey ran into the ring. What the fuck happened, Brett? Brett said, I don't know. <laughs> and Davey said, I think I think Vince got you, Brett. <laughs> uh, Owen had joined them. All three were furious. Brett went berserk. He spit in Vince's face and started smashing TV monitors all around the ring. Uh, he headed to the dressing room warning. If Vince comes in here, tell him I'm going to punch him out. Vince started, lo Vince started looking for Brett and found Davey. He asked, where's Brett? Davey answered, well, he just got out of the shower. But if I was you, I wouldn't go in there and see him. Vince replied, well, thanks for the warning, but I'll do what I have to do. Vince stuck his head out the dressing room, and he said, do you want to talk to Brett? Brett angrily replied, I'm getting dressed, and if you're still around when I'm done, I'm going to punch you out. 
Vince nodded. Okay, I'll take my chances. Brett got dressed, and sure enough, Brett cold cocked Vince right in the eye and broke his knuckle doing it. Brett was so mad that both Davy and Shammy Man. Uh, it took both Davy and Shammy Man to pull him off Vince. While he was helping out, Davy tore his knee ligaments, which were already hurting from wrestling Sean in England, uh, for the Intercontinental Belt. Wasn't he just wrestling for the European belt? I don't know. Uh, after the big blowout, Davey and Owen took a stand. They didn't show up at Monday Night Raw, and Owen stayed off the road for a week, but then decided to return to work. He told Brett, I'm not going to quit my job. I'm not going to pay a fine, and I'm not going to go to WCW. Martha wants me to finish my career here and retire, and that's it. I'm sick about what happened to you, Brett. I think it's horrible. I gotta do what I have to do for my family. <laughs> you ready for this, Logan? Yeah. Brett was just furious about that. He swore. That fucking Martha. She's got Owen so <laughs> pussy whipped. He can't do anything without getting her permission. She doesn't understand. <laughs> she doesn't. She doesn't like wrestling. She doesn't understand this at all. This family's got to stick together. Brett family's a mess. Brett went back to Owen and told him that if he didn't leave, he would never think of Owen as his brother again. <laughs> a lot. Brett assumed a lot of guys were going to quit and protest, but they didn't. I remember my dad asking if Survivor Series thing was all a work or if it was legitimate. Did Brett actually punch Vince McMahon in the face in the dressing room? The WF had it shown it all on camera, even Brett spitting in Vince's face right in his eye. The reigns carried over the next night, so Vince used Monday Night Raw as a platform to promote his next star, Steve Austin. And boy, Steve did an excellent job. He was awesome. He started out as the guy who hated his boss. So many people shared his feelings because of where they thought Vince had done the Brett. Vince made a superb heel. Uh, Brett never seemed to get over Survivor Series. In his eyes, everybody who didn't follow him betrayed him. Owen told Vince Russo, the WWF's booker at the time, that Brett was hounding him to quit all the time. Owen told me that he was sick of Brett at this point. He was fed up with Brett phoning him and Martha and hammering away. <laughs> I'll never forgive you if you don't leave. You're my brother we're talking about. This is your brother we're talking about. I can't believe you're going to stay with the physical man over your own brother. Owen said, Brett, I want to finish my career. I'm actually disgusted by this whole incident. I'm sick of you. I'm sick of all of it. I just want to finish my time here and retire from wrestling and go on some place where nobody knows my name or bothers me. That's the point I'm at right now. And quit bothering Martha. <clears throat> Vince Russo assured Owen... Makes sense why Brett doesn't talk like Martha. They, well, they really have a big falling out uh, when, Owen, yeah. when Owen passes away. And we'll, and we'll definitely cover that in a... Uh, Owen Hart episode, but uh, Vince, Vince Russo assured Owen they were going to do something with him as to not squash him or have him jobbed out. Uh, he pledged to he pledged to him that he would not make a mockery out of him just because he was Bret Hart's brother. Vince Russo called Bret, bro, <laughs> you got to leave Owen alone right now, bro. He's trying to provide for his family. He doesn't want to leave. He just wants to do his job. You keep calling him, and you're confusing him. You're not making it easy for Owen. 
He has nothing to do with. He had, He has never done anything to hurt you. As your friend and as Owen friend, I'm asking you to leave him alone, bro. Meanwhile, Brett was calling Davy and me just as often. He was determined to get Davy to work at WCW with him. <laughs> Vince is going to bury you. He's going to do to you what he did to me. Brett had Carlo DeMarco, his best friend and WF Canadian representative, talk to Davy. Davy, I've been sitting in on the meetings, and I know they're going to job you out. This meant they're going to have Davy being by every Tom, Dick, and Harry that came along. <laughs> Carl said, I know this, Davy. I heard it. I said it in the meetings. We have conference calls and roundtable decisions. This can have you and Owen being by anyone and everyone. They'll have you beaten by midgets just to get back at Brett. If I were you, I would leave before they had a chance to do it. Though Brett didn't have a gun to Davy's head, he was in his ear constantly. The, the deal the deal over here can't last for long. Eric is getting fed up. He can't hold his breath much longer. Brett would call me too. What's Davy doing? He's blowing this fucking deal. I'm doing everything I can to keep Eric from walking away. The trouble was, if Davy left the WWF, he would have to pay a $100,000 fine. Davy did put his lawyers on it, and Brett, but Brett was relentless. What's your lawyer doing? You're going to lose this deal. Eric Bischoff had assigned the head of legal department's Nick Lambros to handle it. Nick was going back and forth with WWF lawyer Ed Kaufman and Davy's lawyer. The WCW was offering a three-year contract. He'd make $333,000 the first year, $383,000 the second, and $433,000 the third. They also agreed to pay half of his $100,000 up front and take it out of his first year's salary. Oh. Uh, Davy left the WWF for the third time on January 19, 1998. He was recovering from knee surgery. He'd blown out his knee that November at the Survivor Series incident in Montreal, where he and Shane pulled bread off Vince. Owen told me that he was that he got $100,000 for staying. <laughs> we wired Essentially, Davey's fine went to Owen? Yeah. <laughs> yep. We wired $100,000 into the, a WWF bank account, and the WWF paid one lump sum of $100,000 to Owen and further rewarded Owen with two more years <laughs> on his contract. Owen used that money to buy the lot to build his dream home where Martha now lives. I wasn't mad at Owen for getting the hundred thousand uh, that we've been fined, but the irony of the situation wasn't lost on me. Brett swore that he would never talk to, he, would, he would never think of Owen as his brother again because he saw Owen's loyalty with the WF as a betrayal against him. Brett never seemed happy at the WCW. Everything I read about him, every time we talked. All I heard was how Vince screwed him. He pulled his groin early in the fall of 90, 1998, but kept wrestling. Finally, he had to have surgery. He returned to the ring after mending and faced Goldberg, WWE's big, WCW's oh, no. biggest star. Brett claimed Goldberg kicked him in the head because uh, he was so unskilled. I've seen Goldberg, a six foot five athlete, uh, turn a somersault into the air, so I was surprised to hear Brett uh, knock him like that. Brett told Keith, my brain is mush from that kick, so I'm going to retire. According to my sister, uh, Ellie, 
Brett got $5 million insurance settlement, but sadly, he left with a whisper and not a bang. Unbefitting for such an admired athlete. Whew. So, uh, yeah, Bret Hart, uh, not really having this, the best of time in, uh, WCW. No, not at all. No. Uh, but he would eventually, eventually show up in WCW, uh, the night after the Montreal Screwjob, uh, the NWO came out with Canadian flags saying, oh, Canada announced that Brett was joining the New World Order. Um, Now, when exactly did Brett actually show up in WCW? It was the middle of December in 97 because it was um, shortly before the Starcade pay-per-view. And this was the big Starcade. It was Sting and Hogan year-long build um brett brought in to maybe fight the nwo or team with the nwo no was he there to be involved in the main event no he was gonna be a special guest referee uh i mean he did have a 90 day or a 60 day no compete clause but uh still use him let's have him be the special referee between eric bischoff and larry zabisco you know the uh uh, essentially on screen the face of the company and then one of the commentators who had wrestled Bruno San Martino if that gave you any idea of how long Zabisco had been wrestling um, Zabisco won so then WCW got to re um, take over Monday Nitro Bret Hart made an appearance in that Hogan Sting main event, which was just a disaster. There's a lot of things wrong with it. Um, but he made sure that there was no screw job. He helped declare Sting the winner, which is funny because if you go back and watch, supposedly there's a fast count from NWO referee Nick Patrick. Uh, there wasn't a fast count. Technically, Hogan won the match fair and square. So it looks like Hart and Sting are the heels in this. Um, but anyway, Sting wins using Scorpion Deathlock. Um, and then we had to wait for January. There's no complete cause to expire. Uh, Bret Hart's first feud, like many others' first feuds in WCW, was against Ric Flair. Um, it's been noted that Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan both fought Ric Flair multiple times with their debut, so that way they would have some of their use to and someone they could beat. Uh, this is pretty big because the last time Hart and Flair fought each other was over the WWF title. Um, then, I mean, Flair defeated Ric Flair at the NWO pay-per-view, sold out in his first match. Uh, then after this, Hart decided to join Team WCW. Now, were were any he, of these any of these matches particularly good? Was he still Bret Hart? Um. Of the the Hart and Flair match was good, but that's because Ric Flair is involved in it. Um, his next match was against Brian Adams, who was Crush. Coincidentally, was in the locker room when everything happened. Uh, wasn't great. Then he fought Kurt Henning uncensored again. This was a great, or this was a good match, but again, you're crossing from Kurt Henning. So, I mean, it's yeah. one of those things where if Hart had to be against a crush, 
or I mean, he didn't fight him at this time, but a Disco Inferno. Hart didn't carry the match like he carried in WWF, where he fought, you know, the Brawler, Hakushi, that kind of thing. Um, then, you know, as everyone did in WCW, he helped Hogan re-win the WCW world title. So he officially became a member of the NWO. Um, the biggest no, I, thing... Since his the, time in the in NWO wasn't that memorable, because I don't think many people really... Not I, I don't the really see first it. stint. The, the first stint, he, was kinda, he just kind of fell into the back. He tried to recruit Chris Benoit to the NWO. Um, his first WCW championship match was later at Bash of the Beach against Booker T for the television title. Because, you know, let's uh, let's really get Bret Hart rolling. Let's not put him in a tag team title match with, you know, Davey Boy or Jim Neidhart, who both jumped with him. Um, let's not put him in even a U.S. title match. Let's not do a heavyweight title match. No, the TV title. That's perfect. Um, it wasn't until July 20th that he headlined his first card. This was in Monday Nitro. He actually defeated DDP for the U.S. Championship, but it took an assistance from an NWO member. Um, and it wasn't less than a month later he lost this to Luger, but the next night on Thunder, he regained the title from Luger. So, I mean, let's make that title mean something, folks. Um, it was then at Fall Brawl where... Brett really didn't do anything memorable, but it was Fall Brawl where Davy Boy landed on the trap door that was set for the Ultimate Warrior to come out of, which really kicked into Davy Boy's uh, painkiller addiction, and what eventually, truthfully, would cost him his life. Uh, again, if what Diana said is true, in a way... I highly doubt that. Brett can... <laughs> Well, I'll say, if, if what she said about Brett calling and making Davey Boy come with them, or come with them, then Brett could be blamed. Uh, Brett likes to go on, forget where it is, but, you know, because the screw job happened, he left WWE, so he couldn't protect Owen, that's why Owen died, he brought Davey Boy with him, Davey Boy fell on the trap door, this caused all the issues, and that's why Davey died. Because yeah. um, the screw job, he was in WCW, so he took the kick from Goldberg, blah, blah, blah. Um, don't worry, though. As um, Bret Hart started doing what Bret Hart does and asked the fan for forgiveness, <laughs> turned his back on Hogan and the NWO, and as one does, Bret Hart turned on Sting and rejoined the NWO. Wait, yeah, everybody's got to uh, Sting. Yeah. Um, Hart and Sting started fighting. And then in what is probably the most high-profile match in WCW history, although it wasn't anything great, October 12th, Monday Nitro, Sting and the Warrior fought Bret Hart and Hulk Hogan. Probably four of the biggest names in professional wrestling. Uh, don't worry, though. The match ended in a disqualification. Hmm. Um, 
Bret Hart then continuously feuded for the U.S. Championship. Um, he feuded with DDP. He feuded with Roddy Piper. Because, you know, that's what you want in 99 is Bret Hart versus Roddy Piper for the mid-card championship. Um, then uh, we're starting to get into one of the two good moments in Bret Hart's WCW run when he wore the steel plate. Uh, I'm pretty sure as a wrestling fan, most of you have seen this. Goldberg came out. Bret Hart said he could beat Goldberg in five minutes. Goldberg speared him, and it turned out Hart was wearing that metal breastplate under his hockey jersey. He then grabbed the mic as he stood over Goldberg's unconscious body and said, Hey, Bischoff, I quit. Uh, this was, you know, that groin injury that we talked about earlier. Yeah. Then, as, you know, unlucky as Bret Hart is, the night before he was scheduled to appear with Jay Leno to hype his WCW return, Owen Hart did die in that tragic accident. So Bret took another four months off to be with his family. Uh, we said we'd talk about Owen later, but this this definitely... If there wasn't already cracks in the Hart Family Foundation, this definitely made him show. Um, Hart came back September and teamed with Hogan against Sting and Luger. Uh, and what's funny about this is he made himself a face in the process of this. If that doesn't show you how kind of muddled WCW was at the time, I figure less than a year later, there's teaming with Hogan still fighting Sting, but now he's a face. Um, in probably my favorite Bret Hart match in WCW, he did fight Benoit in an Owen Hart tribute match. And from then on, he was kind of in the heavyweight U.S. title picture. Um, he won the U.S. title for a fourth time. But then he lost the match in a ladder match. Or he lost the title ladder match to Scott Hall. Uh, finally, 1999. Two years after he first arrived. <laughs> he won the world title. Hey. It was in a tournament. He first beat Perry Saturn, then Billy Kidman, then Sting, and finally Chris Benoit. And... He won the tag team titles with Bill Goldberg. Hart, not only a double champion, but a triple crown champion, and one of the few men to be a triple crown winner in both the WWE and WCW. Um, it was then that he defended the title against the heavyweight title at Starcade against Goldberg, and that's when he took that devious kick to his head. Um, Hart has later speculated that he suffered up to three additional concussions within matches over the course of the day, along with the days immediately following Starcade. So again, we're told that it was all Bill Goldberg's fault. But it wasn't. It wasn't just that kick. Um. It's funny, because recently Bret Hart said he'll never forgive Goldberg. <laughs> but a fun yeah. tidbit from Bret Hart's DVD documentary is he expressed regret that someone as good-hearted as Bill Goldberg was responsible for hurting him. 
funny enough, you want to know how that match ended? Oh. Special referee Roddy Piper rang the bell when Bret Hart held Goldberg in the sharpshooter, although Goldberg didn't submit. Ooh, a screw job finish. Yeah, a creative, right? Yeah, a real original. Um, but luckily this time, Bret Hart got to do the good thing, and out of respect for Goldberg, he vacated the title. And he wanted to face Goldberg without the championship advantage because he was a real good guy. But don't worry. <laughs> Kevin Ash and Scott Hall came to the ring and attacked Goldberg. And then Jeff Jarrett came out and helped attack Goldberg. You know why? Because they were NWO 2000, that's why. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, the NWO then first. NWO then proceeded to have matches with the likes of Roddy Piper and Terry Funk in 1999. Um, they fought with Hulk Hogan some more. And although he is hurt, he continued to make appearances, usually cutting a promo, which I'm sure you can imagine a concussed Bret Hart in 1999 and 2000. That was great. Um, Brett said that the steel plate segment with Goldberg and his tribute match to Owen was his two worthwhile moments with the company. And WCW terminated Bret Hart's contracts by a FedEx letter on October 20th, 2000. And because of this, he announced his professional wrestling retirement six days later on October 26, 2000. He made a couple indie appearances, Ring of Honor, WWA, which was World Wrestling All-Stars. Um, the, the, he was the commissioner for it. And when he talked about the area, which was, you know, New Zealand, Australia, he talked about how um, 9-11 happened. And that the Australian, and he was kind of stranded in Australia when this happened. Yeah. And they treated him with such love and such dignity. Unfortunately, his commissioner role ended prematurely due to a stroke. Uh, I guess if you want to continue the Bret Hart saga, this led until his WWE return. Well, which was the DVD release. Before we. Uh, Hall of Fame. I have. I have the uh, story of Brett's stroke. Uh, if we want to okay. put into the records here, uh, so in in his book, we'll cover this chapter in a lot more detail. But I just want to cover the stroke because uh, the time spent between the screw job and here really details uh, Owen's fall and the fallout okay. with the framing for that. So I think that'd be a good thing to cover when we do decide to cover Owen down the road whenever that happens. <clears throat> but here we are. Um, Monday, June 24th. Uh, I woke up determined to make some serious changes. I called my divorce, my divorce lawyer, who joked about my divorce taking the longest amount of time in the history of divorce negotiations. I told him I wanted to put the divorce papers through immediately. I had enough of how the back and forth game with Julie. While I was at it, I didn't like how Bruce Allen, uh, his agent, has sided with Carlo, talking to him behind my back about how they, were, they could get me to take part in WrestleMania 18. I think that is. Yeah. I can't read Roman numerals. Uh, 
when he was supposed to be representing my best interests. So I penned Bruce a handwritten fax, letting him know that I didn't need him any longer. So as it was another beautiful sunny morning, I decided to take I decided to ride my bike to the gym. So I stopped I stopped at the bike shop to see if they could repair my helmet, because one of my kids had monkeyed around with the clasp on clasp on the chin strap. They didn't have the piece to fix it and offered to sell me a new helmet instead. I decided to take my chances for one day. <laughs> Just before noon, I was pedaling nice and easy along the Bow River. I realized I needed to relieve myself, so I veered off the bike path. I was coasting slowly toward a clump of trees when my front tire dropped into a grass-covered hole, nearly stopping me cold. I bounced out, but the bike was off balance when the back tire hit the same hole. The bike wobbled and then tipped, sending me tumbling sideways. I got my hands up to protect myself, and I remember thinking that I didn't want to break my sunglasses or the cell phone in my pocket. I tucked and rolled onto a hard, grassy field. The thought crossed my mind that anyone watching would probably get a good laugh. The second my head hit the ground, I'd be sorry for the rest of my life that I ever hit that hole. I thought I'd get up red-faced and dust myself off. I was wrong. I lay there groaning, badly winded, writhing around in terrible agony like a speared fish. I saw those same silver dots again, uh, but this time only in my left eye, and they moved toward the cone-shaped, a cone-shaped point. For several minutes, I couldn't get up. I desperately grabbed clumps of prickles to pull myself up to my knees and then struggled to do a right-legged squat to my feet. Use my bike for support. I stood there thinking, what the fuck happened to me? <laughs> a man jogged past and yelled to ask if I was okay. I waved him off, but seconds later, I realized that my left arm was hanging by my side I refu- and refused to work. I finally grabbed my left hand with my right one and placed it on the handlebar, but it fell off and just hung there. With my weight on my right leg, I leaned my chest on the seat with my right hand. I somehow maneuvered my bike back to that damn hole. I stared at it, unable to comprehend what had happened. I couldn't believe that fucking hole had done this to me. I tried to swing my left leg over the bike and keep going because I didn't want to be late for my workout, but I fell over in an embarrassing heap. As I lay there sweating and drooling, uh, taking the smell of fresh-cut grass, the sun beat down on me as dragonflies and bumblebees buzzed by. I managed to reach... Jade on my cell phone, only to find that my tongue and lips weren't working right, and my speech was slurred. Having no idea what I was talking about, Jade put Julie on the phone. As best I could, I explained what had happened, and that I was a few feet from a little hill where we had sat down to read paperback paperback novels one time. <laughs> uh, about ten minutes later, Julie and Beans were, up, were racing up to me. Uh, I told them I was okay. I just banged my head. Just get me out of here. Julie didn't tell me that the pupil of my left eye was big and black. I told them to pull me up to my feet, and we all just walked over to the car. By my first step, we fell over. A rollerblader raced off to call 911 while a nurse from Toronto, who happened to be jogging by, splashed me with cold water and told me to stay awake. Soon, paramedics were, st- were strapping me into a cervical collar, Beans rode with me to the ambulance while Julie followed behind in the car. I wondered, what did I do to piss off God? (laughs) He didn't want to drop the belt to Sean, Brett. Uh. 
that's what happened. That's how you. That's how you pissed off God. Uh, I know you mentioned uh, Mania eighteen. Uh, the rumor always was if he could have came back for another match that they wanted to do him and Kurt Angle. Yeah, he actually, um, like two literally two pages before this, he said he had a dream. Uh, where he was wrestling Sean or uh, Kurt for the WWE Championship, and he thought he was like, he said in his dream he thought this can't be real, I must be dreaming, and he remember looking, uh, looking down at the mat and seeing like the drips from his forehead sweat onto the mat, uh, uh-huh. and he said, oh this must be real, and like I guess he went to the match like in the dream, and then he woke up and he said it was the first time. He was ever disappointed about not wrestling anymore. Which is, I don't know, which is pretty, pretty sad. But, uh, he did, uh, wrestling again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, of. as I was, as I was saying earlier, I mean, I guess before I get into that, um, we want to talk about the other minor players on the screw job briefly and what kind of happened with them. Like your Rick Rudes and your, uh, yeah, we can talk about Rick. Yeah, um, so Rick Rude, even though he was with DX, um, clearly he was one of Bret Hart's boys. Um, after this happened, is when you know he appeared on both Raw and Nitro. He left because he was sickened by how Vince treated Bret. Um, Rude also appeared for ECW for a time. He was trying to get back into wrestling, but it was hard. Because he had one of them, the Lloyd's of London contracts, but he couldn't just reappear, because I believe he'd then have to repay some of the money. And that was the big issue with BCW, is he wanted Bischoff to essentially buy the Lloyd's of London contract. Bischoff wouldn't do it. It would have kind of been cool, because Rude and Kurt Henning were in the NWO. Um, Unfortunately, Rude passed away, I believe, in 1999, unable to realize his dream of coming back to the sport. Uh, Jim Neidhart and Davey Boy did follow Brett to WCW. They had a few tag matches there. Um, Jim's career kind of came to an end at that point. He did some indies and he appeared on TNA and WWE for one-off deals, but never really anything as large as either Hart Foundation run. Um... Like I said earlier, British Bulldog, you know, hurt his back, started with pills, reappeared on WWF TV in the hardcore division. Um, he wasn't the usual British Bulldog. He came out in jeans and had a rougher look. He did for the WWF title a couple times. He actually won the European title, but, you know, everything became too much. And he passed away due to his heart in 2002. I mean, Mick Foley tried to stand up for Brett, but as it goes, his wife threatened to divorce him. His wife wife was hot at the time. His wife was a model. Yeah, you can't can't piss her off. Besides that, I mean, none of the other guys really quit right after the screw job or did anything after i mean you'll hear in interviews now oh man i did this or i did that but no one no one did anything 
no one cared. They were getting paid enough by Vince. Um, and they knew that if they left and went to WCW and then tried to come back and they burned that bridge with Vince, they wouldn't be able to come back. The only outlier really in this all was Owen. Again, Owen stayed. He, you know, feuded for championships, heavyweight, intercontinental, European tag team. He teamed with Jeff Jarrett, won the tag titles. Didn't really do anything spectacular. Owen's one of those that, you know, oh, if Eddie Guerrero would have lived, he would have been multiple-time heavyweight champion. Oh, Chris Benoit would have lived, he would have done this, that kind of thing. Yeah. Owen's one of those, and they're like, oh, would have been a heavyweight champion. I don't think it would have happened in the Attitude Era. Um, I think if Owen Hart would have won a heavyweight title, it probably would have been with Impact Wrestling, because his good buddy Jeff Jarrett was running the promotion. I mean, you go from Austin, Rock, Taker, Triple H, to Brock, Angle, Big Show, Cena, Batista. There's really no room for an Owen Hart heavyweight title reign, in my opinion. Maybe if he would have stuck around long enough during the brand split, he might have got a thanks for being here, pal, championship. But It was definitely hard to uh, fit him in at that time. Yeah, for any type of meaningful run, maybe he could have got it because I know during that time it was kind of being tossed around like a hot potato for a hot minute. You know, everybody was kind of winning. Yeah, he might have could have got one then, but who knows? It's just it's a what if type of game that there really is yeah. no right or wrong answer. Then I mean, after WCW, um. Bret Hart, the first thing that he appeared in, like all legends who come back to the company, he was in video games. His first one back since 98 was Day of Reckoning, and then he was in SmackDown vs. Raw, the very first one. It was after this that they released Bret Hart, the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. And he was inducted into the Hall of Fame by Stone Cold. That was at this time, this WrestleMania 22 era, that they wanted Brett to come back and do with the Vince match then. And the idea that I've read is it would have been Hart versus McMahon slash Michaels. So it would have been Vince, Shane, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, and then one of Shawn Michaels' trainees, whether it be London, Kendrick, or if they would have brought in Daniel Bryan at the time. And they would have faced Brett Hart, uh, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, Teddy Hart, Davey Boy Smith, and then either Tyson Kidd or if you wanted to get, you know, a better wrestler in the group since Brett was kind of at that point in his career, Chris Jericho. Elimination style, you know, the Hearts finally get the one up on DX and Vince. Brett didn't want to come back then. He didn't feel like he was in shape, which is ironic considering he came back to WrestleMania later. Um, but, I mean, he made appearances. Um, like I said, he appeared at the WrestleMania. They did that Hart-McMahon match, which I remember was my first big disappointment as a kid watching wrestling. Because I you, thought Bret Hart... I didn't think he'd wrestle a full match. You thought you'd, but, be, I mean, you I thought saw you'd how, be Bret Hart, though. I didn't even think that. I just saw how Hogan fought, how Flair fought. I mean, Jerry Lawler would come out every so often to have a match. Even, like, Sergeant Slaughter... 
or this was the time when Randy Orton was fighting legends, so like Dusty Rhodes still came out and did a pretty damn good match. Roddy Piper could still put one on if needed. And Brett came out in jorts and elbow pads. And I mean, he hit his moves of doom, I guess, with help from his family. Yeah. He beat Vince, probably one of Vince's more uh, unremarkable matches. I mean, especially considering two years before he had fought Shawn Michaels and then. Three years before that, he fought Hogan in what are considered some of the better Mania matches. I mean, especially with Vince being in them. Um, I mean, and then from there, Brett did as legends do. He managed the Hart Dynasty. Um, the Miz had a guaranteed U.S. title match against a Hart member, and he chose Brett. And Brett won in Toronto. Um, he vacated it because he couldn't defend it. But, you know, one more title. Yay. Yay. He looked good doing uh, it, though. He, was, he looked good doing it. Yeah, he was the new GM. Raw. He was on that SummerSlam team where the Nexus lost, and they probably shouldn't have. Uh... I mean, and then he made appearances like at house shows at Madison Square Garden and stuff. You can tell this was kind of a thank you Bret Hart tour. He got he got to perform with family, all that fun stuff. Uh, and then from there, I mean, he'd appear on like Bret Hart Appreciation Nights. He'd appear managing Natalia against Flair and Charlotte, which I get why they did it because Bret Hart and Ric Flair. At the same time, you think Jim would have managed his daughter against Rick managing his daughter. Um, and then the biggest thing to note since really the Nexus was when he was inducted into the Hall of Fame a second time alongside Jim Neidhart as the Hart Foundation. Oh, yeah. One of few men to be inducted twice. That's the that's the one he got attacked at, right? By that fan? Yeah. He ta- the guy tackled Brett and Natalia to the ground. Uh, Hart continued his speech. I'm sure he did. <laughs> Just imagine a two-time Hall of Famer. At this point, you've got Brett. You've got Hogan Hall and Nash. John Michaels. Technically, X-Pac, Booker T. Pretty good, uh... Pretty good company to be in. Now, uh... How did Sean's life uh, fare after Montreal? So, I kind of handed it at the beginning of the first episode of this. He, you figure after Montreal... And because you discussed how they were going to fight at the December pay-per-view. After the December pay-per-view, shortly later came Bad Blood. And then, which was the um, Hell in a Cell match. Even before that. I think it was before, because you said Pillman died. And then the Royal Rumble happened when Sean and Taker had their casket match. This is where Kane came out, so the casket on fire. Or Sean's back got hurt. And I always found it funny 
they would show, you know, the injuries, right? Don't try this at home. Yeah. And you see John Cena getting thrown out of the ring and his leg, like, bending in an awkward position. Um, Chris Benoit taking some massive head shots and bleeding from his mouth. Uh, and then you got Shawn Michaels getting flipped over a casket. As a kid, you're watching it, you're like, how, how, what happened? Like, I don't see anything. Did it, like, hurt him? Did it, did it cut him? Um, Sean then didn't wrestle until Mania. Lost to Stone Cold. Stormed out of the arena like a little bitch, as Shawn Michaels does. Came back as a commissioner for the company. Was corporate, was a degenerate. Helped Stone Cold. Did a lot of drugs. Um, had to be sent home. Um, he trained a little bit, and although this back injury is supposed to be, you know, career-ending, wrestled for his promotion, and then I, I, they got I, the I, ball rolling. I remember, um, I think Daniel Bryan in his book, because uh, he trained at Shawn Michaels School. Yep. Uh, he said that they were doing like back body drops, uh, and like none of them were doing it right to. Sean said so Sean got in the ring and did one and he said he like flew so high in the air and then straight on his supposedly injured back uh, yeah yeah a lot of people speculated that this was another smile losing that he knew he wasn't the guy anymore he was just taking time off yep I mean and then he came back um first as the new member of the NWO and the leader he was the Hogan this time, Hall had left the company. Hogan was red and yellow. The NWO was Nash, Booker T, Big Show, and X-Pac. Clearly, you need a leader. Shawn Michaels is a leader. NWO got disbanded because Nash got hurt again. <laughs> so then the next well, thing that Shawn did was notes. Yeah. He came out on Vengeance here in Detroit, Michigan, and tried to convince Triple H to come to Raw instead of going to SmackDown. It worked. Then the next thing that happened was DX was supposed to return. Triple H pedigreed Shawn Michaels, said he didn't want to live in the shadows anymore. Then we got that Triple H feud, where Triple H threw him through the car. And the SummerSlam match, and then eventually Shawn Michaels won the heavyweight title, the big gold belt, the one that he dreamed of having since he was a kid. And the ugliest tights ever. Yeah. Yep, because the person who was doing his tights didn't have him done in time. <laughs> they just had to throw them together. Uh, but it was the first elimination chamber. And, I mean, a damn good match. Um, kind of funny that ladder match, Hell in a Cell match, and elimination chamber, Shawn Michaels is all a part of the very first one. Uh, and after that, I mean, you do a Triple H some more. Well, I think had the a most, great match. The next most noteworthy thing. Uh, for Shawn Michaels, uh, his his feud with Hogan. Um, yep, he had his feud with Hogan, where yeah. Hogan flopped and Shawn was still a dick. Yeah, and uh, at the time, that's when the DVD uh, was announced, like that weekend, and they had the Raw in Calgary or Montreal. Yeah, I think it was yep. Montreal, and. They're building it as, like, Shawn Michaels' first time in Montreal since 97. And then they had, like, I think, like, on Saturday or Sunday, the WWE.com posted a picture of Brett with Vince. 
uh, like in a studio somewhere doing like the DVD stuff, getting ready. So everyone thought like Brett's showing up on Raw. Brett's showing up on Raw. It's happening. And they play his fucking music. The crowd goes crazy. Probably the one of the best like heel moments, uh, especially for Sean. I mean, all time. Uh, crowd goes berserk. The biggest pop Bret Hart ever got. Yeah, and Sean comes out wearing a pink tie. Got your hopes up just a little bit, didn't I? Good time. I mean, he, it, it showed up good he was as a heel. Hogan feud was supposed to be multiple matches. Um, Hogan agreed to winning the first one, losing the second, and then they'd figure out the third. But coincidentally, Hogan would win the match and then would have to have knee surgery. <laughs> Love that. Um, after that, I mean, Sean got to main event WrestleMania again at WrestleMania 23. He won tag titles with John Cena and Triple H to the final two of WrestleMania with or of the Royal Rumble with The Undertaker. He had some of the more memorable Mania matches of all time with The Undertaker. And then he eventually uh, went in the Hall of Fame, also twice. And he also, again, like I mentioned, that Undertaker match, one of the better retirement matches of all time. And then he had one of the worst retirement matches of all time by taking blood money. Well, we don't have to talk about that one. <laughs> I mean, Sean had, I mean, he had, a, he had a whole other career, and this was after he was supposed to have, you know, a career-ending injury. Bret Hart had a career-ending injury, and yeah. Yeah. We'll go from there. Uh, all, I feel like all the players in the shoe job had a pretty good rest of their career besides Bret. Uh yeah, I mean, if you don't count the minor people, yeah, Triple H, Triple H I mean... to be a 16, 15, 14-time, something like in, that, world champion, married the boss's daughter, is now in charge, essentially, of WWE. Yeah. Um, and then multiple medias. Vince McMahon became uh, the biggest heel of the Attitude Era, um, beat WCW, one, won out. Yeah, Wrestling-wise, yeah, won a... Won a heavyweight championship, won multiple of them. Won the ECW one as well. Don't forget that. Um, he he beat Ted Turner, his biggest competition. Yeah. Um, the company that Brett went for bought him out. Uh, won the Monday Night Wars. Uh, became a billionaire multiple times over. Uh, it wasn't until just recently he got some sort of uh, karma. Offense. Uh, using using some of that money to pay off uh some fee, some women uh he had relations with have you, have you seen the pictures of him and his girlfriend now and he looks like old vince like attitude era yeah it's he's, weird he's, he's dying his hair yeah don't like that and i mean and you figured to go back to triple h i mean after the screw job hell Intercontinental title, European title, multiple heavyweight championships. Um, he pretty much defeated everyone that WCW would throw at him. Uh, like I said, multiple Mania main events, two Royal Rumble wins, one of them for the heavyweight championship. <laughs> he, 
he DX got reformed. He led Evolution. He led the Authority. Hey, there, there wasn't a lot. Little little trips couldn't do. It seems like the only people that got uh, any sort of bad karma from it was anybody related to the Hart family. Yeah, I mean, everybody. If you were one of Hart's boys. You were out of there. Uh, uh, Earl Hebner is kind of a, a sad uh, casualty in this. He he's still getting, from what I can understand, from he said he's still getting harassed by fans yep. uh, for it, uh, which is unfortunate. He he tried. Uh, I think I think him and Brett have made amends. I could be wrong on that. I know, and there's a lot I think of threats made amends with most of everyone. But I mean, I'm thinking that's because, I mean, the strokes, and then he had prostate cancer somewhat recently. Yeah. But I think it's one of those things where he thought he was going to pass, so he wanted to clear up any murky water. Everybody except for Goldberg. Him and Sean. <laughs> yeah. I mean, except Goldberg. But he and Sean even sat down. For one of the WWE DVDs, the greatest rivalries. I mean, shocking, but he yeah. and Sean can at least be seen in the same room any, together. And that might be one of the very few bright spots in uh, Lisa's publicized personal life. Uh, the yeah. about lost lost his brother, lost multiple family members, uh, got divorced, kind of on his own. Uh, at his own fault, I'd say. Uh, yeah, he got divorced multiple times. I think he's still married to a South African girl, right now. I think. Um, uh, at least I had he has a cancer. Has cancer. Uh, seems to be pretty bitter in the media. Uh, I think kind of and, it, and it's and you can draw these lines directly to that night in November. Of uh, ninety seven Survivor Series, all this yeah. torture he had in his life, uh, he blames it, and it's easy to see why he blames it. Uh, a lot of his problems uh, was a result of this, and the people that screwed him over have not seen to uh, have paid for it. Uh, no, they um, the two main ones that screwed him are currently running the company. That he got screwed in. And the other one uh, is enjoying retirement with girls ah. triple uh, lower his age, you know. Yep. Super young. Uh, billionaire, you know, doesn't have to worry about anything. So, who won? Who won here? Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think I think we've, we've exhausted... Uh, the Montreal screw job to death. I feel like every podcast has, but I feel like now we are officially on an official wrestling podcast. Logan, we've done an episode on the Montreal screw job. Yeah, we did it. We did it. We're, we're checking all the boxes. Yes. Uh, uh, I feel finally feels good to finally uh, to get this recorded and put out. Um, we do have some great content coming your way. 
as always, as we move into the month of December, end of the year, uh, we're bringing back uh, version two, a second uh, ranking of the PWP top 25 uh, of the year. Of 20, it's 2022, almost 2023 already. Holy crap. Uh, yeah. So I think, I'm thinking we'll probably uh, do it the same way we did last year. Uh, we'll be announcing them on our socials. Uh, so make sure you follow us. Uh, on Twitter at PW Proverbs, Pro Wrestling Proverbs everywhere else. Uh, stay in tune for that. And I will also be uh, appearing on Windley Mania again. I was on there uh, a couple months ago talking about Hulk Hogan's bad movies. I already forgot <laughs> which one I did. I did, what, Nanny? Mr. Nanny? Mr. Nanny. Yeah. Mr. Nanny. Uh, but I'll be on there again uh, talking about the top 10 matches of 2022. Uh, so I'll be posting links to that when that happens. Um, we also have, I think the next episode that you'll hear after this will be our Matt Hardy episode. We Speaking of getting Ooh. screwed, speaking of getting screwed, yeah. Matt Hardy, uh, he's been screwed mo- multiple times. Um, Thanks, Jeff. Uh, from his brother, his best friend, his girlfriend. Uh, sad, sad times for our man, Matt Hardy. So that episode will be coming out uh a week after uh, you hear this. So make sure you stay tuned. Make sure uh, if you made it this far, I think I feel like we deserve uh, a share of ratings. Uh, this is yeah. this is our second biggest episode we've ever done. Our second longest one. Uh, total, we're pushing three and a half hours here. <laughs> uh, if you could share with uh, wrestling fans uh, in your circle, we'd really appreciate it. Uh, and thank you for tuning in.